0: Here we are now, and just like that, it was all over. I don't mean the pandemic, we've never had a pandemic here in sure, never wearing any masks or anything, but the winter appears to have disappeared, we got a little belt of snow there last week in Stockholm, and a little bit down, one of the lads down in Malmo was in touch as well, to say that uh, the winter had come back there as well, but it seems to have been, uh, it seems to be disappeared, so St. Patrick has not only chased all of the snakes out of Sweden. He's also chased the snow away, and that means that we're going to be getting into sport and we're going to be the GAA is going to be back and everybody's going to come out of the woodwork completely. Um, it's as good a time as any to tell you about a fantastic initiative Uh, started by the Swedish Irish Society. You're very welcome, of course, to the Irish in Sweden podcast. Philip O'Connor is my name here in Stockholm. The Swedish Irish Society, uh, we may as well actually call this the Sophie in Sweden podcast, because Sophie Murphy there has had another brilliant idea, a very clever girl, even though she did wear a cork jersey to the St. Patrick's Day parade, and that was red. But anyway, Sophie has created a Swedish Irish calendar, right? Now, if you look in the show notes, remind me if I get this wrong, because I always say I'll do these things, then I forget them, right? But look in the show notes. If you're listening to this on a podcast app, or if you're, you know, looking on the patreon page or wherever you're looking look in the notes right and i'll put in a link to the swedish irish calendar now in this swedish irish calendar is basically everything Sophie knows is going on with our community from the arctic circle to the other bridge right there'll be gaelic football tournaments there'll be art there'll be music there'll be soccer games there'll be everything that's going on that we know about Enterprise Ireland Borbea Tourism Island if they're doing something we'll put it all in there so that everybody can, can see it right you click on it you add it to your own calendar And that way, then, you'll always know, all right, this week, uh, you know, if you're a musician, you're going, oh, I'm going to play up in Lulio this weekend. Well, don't, because all the Lulio lads are going to be down in Odense playing Gaelic football, you know. So it'll help us all to plan. It means that we'll all know what's going on around the place. And if you have any events, feel free to get in touch with the Swedish-Irish Society and put them into your calendar, right? And I really wish that we had had this, like, about three weeks ago, because uh, the first person we're going to talk to this week is Alana Robbins. Now, Alana is an artist, and you'll hear again her story where she explains about living over here and then moving back to Ireland. So she came over here and she worked with a lot of artist collectives and artist-led initiatives and then she moved back to Ireland. But she came back over here to do a show in Eskilstuna and unfortunately, I spotted on Facebook. I try not to spend too much time on Facebook. I'm not really mad about Facebook. It's a great place to keep in touch with everybody who listens to this podcast. And that's probably the only reason I'd be in there on a Monday, Tuesday, early every week to see what you guys are saying and posting and doing things. But I kind of tried to avoid it because, you know, yourselves, it gets a bit mad, especially when it comes to COVID and war and all sorts of mad shit like that, you know. But I wish I had been in there a little bit earlier and noticed that Alana was coming over to do this magnificent show. And uh, she, you know, she was providing sort of visuals for a musical show. Took place down in Eskilstuna. So I decided I wanted to talk to her about her work when she was in Sweden and then her continued links to Sweden, despite the fact that she's moved back to Connemara with her, her family there. So she's been uh, visiting here. She was in Stockholm this week, and we took a little bit of a Zoom call there during the week because she was very busy with the show and with an exhibition here in town. So uh, I'll be back to you in a little while with some more stuff. And we'll be taking a trip up to Arnkelsvik and to Rory there and the Swedish Irish Chamber of Commerce. So, uh, but uh, here, let's have a listen to Alana and what she has to say about art about music and uh, about our Swedish-Irish connections. Robbins, I have to say, I was delighted to log into Facebook there recently and to see that you were on your way back to Sweden. But maybe just for the uninitiated, could you explain a little bit of your art and your relationship to this country?
1: Yeah, so um, I, well, I lived here in Sweden, um, in Stockholm, between 2011 and 2015. I'm a, I'm a visual artist and um, we moved from Connemara to Stockholm to to give our kids a... a diff- a different language a second language and obviously swedish was the obvious choice you know list, um, yeah. useful all over the world um <laughs> so um we came here and i got involved um with the kind of the artist led scene um which is kind of a specific area of um art kind of art galleries and art studios there's um um Organizations which are run by artists themselves to make stuff happen without having to apply for an exhibition and someone says no, which inevitably they do. Um you could just artist led organizations allow you to just organize your own thing. And I became a member of um a small gallery studio space in Roslag, Scotland, called confusingly called Detroit, Detroit Stockholm. And um so I became a member there um in 2012. And it was it's a great space because you can kind of just organize your own shows like that, I have a little studio space, which I actually still have, even though we returned to Ireland in 2015. And I I suppose my artistic practice would be I have a background in sculpture. Um so I used to make big stone carvings and wood carvings and that. Um I now do some small bronze work, but a lot of my work involves um, cut paper, finely cut um, paper that I use for shadow play. Mm. Um, so I'm just now back today from Eskilstuna, where I've been working with two Swedish musicians, Jöran Frost and Jacob Kellerman, And they, I made kind of basically what is a, basically a set design two big paper cuts um for a concert which is held almost entirely in the dark Um, and then on (laughs) on three occasions the lights come on behind my paper cuts and um although i say it myself it's very beautiful (laughs) it's a really it's a really beautiful kind of meeting place for music and art
0: And if we talk about that specific show, because, you know, that's why, you know, you sort of popped up on my feed again, if you will. Um, What kind of things were you trying to represent there? What kind of show were the two musicians putting on? What were the themes of
2: that?
1: Yeah, so, well, it was funny because Jaron Frost, um, he's the viola player. um, He wrote to me six years ago asking me to make um, three sculptures that were to be five centimeters tall that would be on the stage. For a concert, which was to happen in the dark, and then they would be lit on three occasions during the concert. And I thought, hmm, um, who's going to see something that's five centimeters tall? Nobody. Um, and so I made. Um, well, anyway, so then anyway, he sent me the the kind of the manus the the script
0: the script, yeah.
1: The um, and he sent me the music for it, and I made two four meter tall paper cuts. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> kind of missed the decimal point there, Alana.
1: <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. So um so the it's a re, it's an absolutely stunning piece. So I would really recommend that you go to see it next time we're doing it. Um so it's it's called Entimanat, One Hour of the Night. And it's um Jaren has written s- small pieces of text that are have been read by Etienne Glosser and it's absolutely beautiful and it's about kind of going into a creative space in the dark and how you know the expectations of the day are gone and that we kind of are able to meet ourselves and meet our our own creative self best in the dark Mm -hmm. and and so you've got the text by which Etienne Glosser is reading and then You've got pre recorded music, pre recorded kind of soundscapes. And then you've got uh, Joran Frost playing the viola and Jakob Kellerman um, playing the classical guitar. And Jakob has just won a Grammy for a record that uh, Joran plays with the Arab Orchestra and the Orchestra mm-hmm. of Europe. And I mean, they are just uh, like amazing musicians. I just feel so incredibly you know I'm so thankful to be working with them um and but what's very exciting about it is that it is this kind of meeting place where the music and the art together make so much more than either one alone so what I did when he played me there's music by Arvo Pert music by Benjamin Britten. Um, Manuel de Falla's Night in a Spanish Garden, and the final piece is Morgan by Richard Strauss. And so when Yaran sent me that music, I was kind of thinking really vertical from Arvo Pärt's Fretres, and I made. I w- I was doing a lot of work at the time in terms of very finely cut paper cuts of the of the woods of the kind of contrasting the kind of the Sitka spruce forest, which is, mm. as you know alien and but planted a lot in Ireland as a monocultural crop, contrasting that to maybe a, a native woodland. So 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 basically what you see when you look at my paper cuts is is tall, very, very tall trees with the light streaming through the the leaves and the branches or the needles and then most of the excitement actually happens on the floor because there's a scatter of light mm. and shadow that's really very beautiful across the floor um and that and what you know you kind of gasp i every time you know you don't get tired of it because you're sitting in the dark listening to this most passionate beautiful music and and then the lights come on gently through this paper cut and it's it's just so magical yeah so when,
0: when people watch that show, Alana, when they listen to that music, as you say, when they see the lights come up and see your work, what do you want them to take away from that exhibition, that show? What do you want them to walk away from there with?
1: Um just I I think a, a real sense of wonder and beauty. Um I think like what I a lot of what I try to achieve with my work, like I do have like in it, maybe some other layers, but you're trying, with my work generally, I would be hoping to awaken a sense of wonder in people or a sense of, um, yeah, a wow, beauty. But it's not always about wow art, to question maybe what they're looking at or to make them look at something in a different way. And I mean, my favorite definition of being an artist is that we are problem finders not problem solvers that Mm -hmm. were kind of because you're asking a question you don't seek to give an answer you seek to ask a question and and to make people ask questions and so you're inviting people to to wonder or to ask questions and so this piece with the musicians is very I think it's a very emotional piece more than a kind of an intellectual piece. And you just you are moving. I hope to move people with this work. Mm. Other pieces of work, I would hope maybe to make someone question something or look at it in a different way, or maybe to see beauty where there isn't beauty mm. or, or, you know, where where they might not have seen beauty before. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. You look at—I mean—you spent several years here working. I mean, you were very involved in that artist-led scene. I saw mm-hmm. you being involved in galleries and various different cooperations all over the place. How different is Sweden from Ireland in terms of being an artist, and what do what do the two countries have in common?
1: Um, I look—I kind of find that a bit hard to answer because I got involved in the artist-led scene here, and I didn't know that that kind of scene existed in Ireland. But I had been pretty much a stay-at-home mom with three kids on the side of a mountain in Connemara up till that point. So I now I know now that there are lots of arts-led organizations in Galway and Dublin, but I didn't know that at the time. Um now what I did when I went home was I like I just found it really hard to move home because I was just so in the thick of it and there was no end of opportunities and excitement and people to work with and mm-hmm. new adventures but I just decided uh, if I'm going home I'm going to bring some of this with me so I set up an, uh, an artist residency program and studio in Connemara called Interface and at Interface we um, it's now we because I mean I was slogging away at for four years on my own on fresh air but We've got the support of Arts Council funding now and and I've got someone working with me, but it's a programme that um, offers opportunities for artists to explore intersections between science and art. And that's because it's actually in a a centre of scientific research in the same building, a building that was built as a salmon hatchery in the 80s. And this is a super exciting project. Um, And so... I kind of started that. It's not a collective in the same way as maybe Detroit is um because it's really me that's driving it, but there are lots of members and it is the idea of it is, is that there is a space where all the members can if they want to have an exhibition, they can book the space and have an exhibition. They can kind of they can absolutely be a studio member you know, there's only very basic criteria that is the basic criteria for being a professional artist. That's not, you know, they're very, very welcome um, and very kind of what I want to create there is a safe space for people to experiment. But then what was pretty exciting as well was that um, during the first lockdown, um, I invited the Interface members, like we have an Interface member in Tehran, and we have an Interface member in New York, Mm. and one in Bath in England, and most of the rest of them are in Connemara. Um, And the eldest is 95. Um, And um, I asked people, did they want to kind of have some online meetups? And there was a resounding yes, and we, we met up online and presented our work to one another. The first lockdown, And the second lockdown, we did that together with Detroit, Stockholm and Passage Istanbul, which is an artist led residency program in Istanbul, of which where I have exhibited. Um, And so what was really that was lovely because the first one was total evidence to me that you can build a community on Zoom, which was a surprise to me. The second one was amazing because we built a community between the three organizations. And then in December and January, just gone, we had a an exchange between one of the Detroit artists, Zahra Zavara, and one of the interface artists, Brida Burns from Mayo. And they, um, so Zahra came to Ireland for three weeks and then later Breda came here to Stockholm. And and now, what I'm here for, <laughs> together with doing the concert and Tim and Nat, I decided um, a bit of the flieghhem. I'd better make the most of the whole thing and put a suitcase of uh, or an exhibition of art in my suitcase. So what what's also going on at the moment is an exhibition of interface artists in Detroit, in Detroit, Stockholm, <laughs> on Rosalag Scotland. So. Um, so there's I brought over the work of four artists, four Irish artists.
0: So that, that will that, that work stay here now? You you're heading off now, I think very, very soon. Uh but will I'm, that work stay here for a little while or, or is it, no, are you taking it home with you?
1: No, I'm taking it home because like um I just basically I took what would fit in my suit because I didn't actually have a budget for that exhibition, even though we are well supported by the Arts Council now. That was one of the things that we didn't have a budget for it so i just decided well look at i'm going over um i'll bring a, what i can fit in my suitcase which i'm pretty good at that's one of the reasons <laughs> i work a, a sneaky paper. exhibition <laughs> yeah a yeah, little sneaky exhibition so it's been kind of funny opening hours because it opened and then it was closed for a couple of days because i was off in a row doing the concert and mm. but it's open tomorrow and i mean yeah it's um Thursday. It's it's um it's a really interesting exhibition and it's it's called In Love Out, which is part of Falling in Love Outward. So it's about like our relationship with nature and our need to fall in love with nature in order to repair it. Mm-hmm. And so that's Selma Makala, Rita Burns, Lilia Nicahuil, and Tim Akison. But also in the summer at Interface, we're going to have an exhibition of three. Interface artists, three Detroit artists, okay. and three Passage artists. So there's a really, so all this is kind of building up to be a really nice kind of dialogue, exchange, kind of ongoing relationship between the organizations.
0: Do you miss Sweden a lot? Because you seem to, you know, you enjoy the contact with the people here. You're obviously very comfortable here. You know a lot of people here. Would you ever consider moving back here? <laughs>
1: Oh, i i do yeah
0: <laughs> your kids are gonna kill me for asking Big that question.
1: question well i meant i was meant to be coming over for supermarket art fair i i always come over for supermarket art fair that's an art fair for artist-led organizations um and it's on in may this year and i was meant to be coming over but uh, my youngest daughter has her leaving cert starting on uh starting in june so um i thought I'd better be stick around at home for the leaving search. And after that, I'm not gonna have any kids at home. So who knows? I mean, I don't think I don't think um we'll move back because I found it so hard to move home afterwards, but I, I think I could see myself spending more time because you know, with obviously with kids, you have to like I suppose you I always try and pack so much in when I get here mm. um because I know it's going to be a while till like I get here again, but I suppose now with Martha, our youngest, out the gap shortly, fingers crossed, um, that I suppose I will have more, you know, freedom to come and go,
0: yeah. What, what did the, what does Martha and, and the rest of your kids, what did they say about their time here? Do they look back on it fondly or do they go, my ma went nuts and we all had to live in Sweden for a few years? <laughs> <laughs>
1: One of them. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> There's always one, isn't there?
1: <laughs> one, one of them says that. Yeah. And the other two loved it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and do they have any relationships or do they still have friends here? That kind of thing. Do they miss being here?
1: They do. No. Um, yeah, they do all have friends here. Um our youngest has the most contact really with here. Mm. Um, and she, yeah, she, they they actually the two younger ones have also worked with me on this project for kind of um for ty transition year work experience they came over and worked on the on the concert Um, and they do have friends i mean actually quite a lot of them our youngest she's she's super sociable quite a lot of the visitors to the exhibition are parents of her friends oh wow Get yeah her into
0: you. she's a bit of an influencer there we get her into the social media yeah. <laughs> marketing now you know yeah
1: exactly yeah fantastic yeah, yeah it's it's just it is it's very different um and it's it's so I just find it super energizing, you know to be here and I mean, what I've built up in Ireland with interface is very exciting, but it's definitely it's it's driven by me, whereas when you're in a bigger urban center you know there's just so much potential for you know ideas to spark off each other you know what i mean
0: i think there's that thing as well when you're in a slightly sort of bigger place with bigger possibilities you don't actually have to do all the work yourself i remember Uh, You know, when everybody was looking for the next U2 in the 1980s in Dublin, it felt like every band was trying to reinvent the wheel and find places to play and put on gigs and that kind of thing. It was just so much work that people Mm -hmm. burned out from it. Whereas here, there just seems to be, I don't know, there seems to be a sort of an ecosystem and you can slot in and out of it, even when it comes to spoken word or when it comes to to visual art or film or that kind of thing, you know?
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely.
0: So when are we going to see you over here again then? Because, you know, you've promised us now that you're going to be over a little bit more often. Have you anything (laughs) in the pipeline where you know you'll be exhibiting? Because I wish... That I had to come up with the idea of talking to you. I, I didn't realize you were coming over here this week, you know.
1: Oh, and you know, like I actually programmed the exhibition to happen around St. Patrick's Day so I could get into the whole St. Patrick's Day program.
0: Love it, yeah, that would have done it. And
1: then I forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll be over at the end of June. There's one of the Entimanat conferences in Bosta. I yep. don't know where that is. Do you know? That's Yeah, John Carroll lives
0: there. Yeah, that's we know exactly where that is. We can all go uh, to John Carroll's afterwards. He's a lovely man. There's, the a,
1: there's, a, a, camera, there's a camera music festival. And so there's a chamber music um, festival, yeah. And I'll be over it. I think we're doing it in Vara in September. And after that, I don't know. I think we have a few dates in the spring. Um, But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's all very... Hmm. It's open, open and exciting.
0: Well, if, if anybody happens here, because there is a sort of a large community, there's also a lot of Swedish people up in Luleå, but there's a lot of Irish people there now and in places like Giavla as well. But be sure to let us know, because I'm sure there's many people would be very interested in seeing that show and seeing what you're doing. And, you know, I wouldn't be so hugely up on visual art, but I always love talking to you about these things. So uh, do let oh, us know when we back over.
1: Well, it's, that concert is just, it is lovely. And I, I definitely would be looking for a different, I'd like to, for a start, I want to bring it to Ireland. I need to uh, translate the. The text's a bit but i think um we'd be looking like i know we're looking for other locations the, the thing is it has to be somewhere completely dark but you know it'd be really lovely to tour it more we were just starting to tour it when covid started and mm. so that was like the whole thing we started it in teotihuacan in, in by san plan. yeah that's where the whole kind of um you know the we we kind of created the work together so and you know, now's the time to just really, you know, bring it out to loads of audiences, yeah. you
0: know. Um, you well, in fairness, with the way electricity prices are going at the moment, you won't have any trouble finding a place to yeah. stack for the whole thing, you know. <laughs> Electric Ireland might sponsor it as well, or Fortnum exactly. or somebody like that,
1: you know. Yes, exactly,
0: yeah. El- Elana, it's been wonderful to catch up with you after all these years. Because it's a long time, um, actually, since we met in person at that, but it's been brilliant to hear what yeah, you're up to. Yeah. And please, please keep the podcast in mind for when you're doing these things, and we let everybody I know. know.
1: For give now, a bit
0: of warning <laughs> yeah exactly give us a bit of warning there but for now uh, have a safe journey home we'll talk again soon okay thanks a
1: million
0: the chief enemy of creativity is good sense if you hear a voice within you say you cannot paint then by all means paint and that voice will be silenced. I see drawings and pictures in the poorest of huts and the dirtiest of corners. If people knew how hard I worked to get my mastery, it wouldn't seem so wonderful at all. Genius is eternal patience. There you go. That was the wonderful Alana Robbins there, followed by uh, some quotes I found from some great artists of our time. There's five, five quotes in total there. Uh, they came from Pablo Picasso, for, two from Vincent van Gogh, and the last two there were from Michelangelo. And it was something that struck me recently. Um, there's this other idea that I'm going to be coming out with a podcast uh, in the very near future about, right? And it's this idea that I don't think that there are any ordinary Irish people abroad. So if you are listening to this and you're from Ireland or, you know, you're part of the Irish diaspora, you're not ordinary. We are only extraordinary people. And there's an amazing amount of creativity, which, of course, we saw around St. Patrick's Day and we see when the community comes together. But sometimes um, we decide that, no, no, I can't do that. I can't sing in front of people. I can't paint something. I can't ask people to go and see my work in an exhibition or to read what I've written. And it's one of those things that if you go through through life without ever doing that, without ever saying, look, this is me. This is something I made and I'm proud of it. And, you know, it can be very limiting to think, no, nobody would be interested in this. You know what? Do it. And especially now we have this great sense of burgeoning community that we have from the north to the south of this country. You'll find support for doing those things. And even if you never do it, right? even if you never say, I've got to sing this song in front of people. i got to, you know, this is something, this is a book I want to bring out. Like, even if you never do those things, do them for yourself. Write them down, even if you never publish it, or never show it, or never sing it in public. Do it for yourself. Create for yourself. Have that satisfaction of making something. Because we're all good at something. You know, I can't paint to save me. I can paint a fucking fence. That's about it. But I can write a bit. I can sing a bit. I can play a little bit of music. Me self and my daughter were messing around with music last night. She has to do it for school. And there's so much joy and enjoyment to be had out of that. And it's so much better than sitting on Facebook and just fucking scrolling. And not only that, to them. Um, Let's say it isn't for you. Let's say you find that you can't create something, but you can always enjoy something that somebody else creates. You can read that book. You can listen to that music. And I know a lot of people will have listened to that conversation where Alana now I thought, I don't understand visual art because I don't understand it myself. Like, I don't have anything, you know, I can read James Joyce, but I can't look at visual art and know where it is I'm looking at. But I can certainly try to learn and I can certainly try to enjoy the things that she's putting out in front of me. So keep that in mind now. Now that uh, Spring is here and that we're looking for new ways to entertain ourselves and new ways to to change ourselves for the better, that might be one of those ways of doing this, just having the courage both to create things ourselves, but also to go out and to enjoy things that other people create and to support them and to, to confirm them, to say, look, I saw that and I thought it was brilliant, you know? Uh, more of which are known because I'm reading a book that was written by a member of the Swedish Irish community at the moment which is going to be out next month I think and it's mad and it's brilliant and I never thought to be honest and I don't mean any insult to the lad in particular I never thought to be able to write this story like the story itself is brilliant but I never thought to be able to write this well but we shall return to that but in the meantime let us head northwards after I tell you how to support this show right we've spoken before about you know I'm sure there's nobody out there who love Blind Boy and I've only it was at a soccer match the other night that I was lads banging on about the second cap I love the second captains I support them on Patreon myself But I'd very much appreciate it If people out there in the community Could support me on Patreon Patreon.com forward slash Arrowman in Stockholm I think they bill you 45 Swedish crowns a month Or 5 Euros which is very weird because five euros is about fifty five crowns a month. But hey, who am I to argue with people in San Francisco who make these tech platforms? But that would help me greatly because the more people who support this from month to month, like Martin Hessian and our fantastic sponsors in Bearson's Pub, the easier it is for me to spend the time that I need to spend. And this week in fairness, I spent a lot of time doing it, bringing you the guests, bringing you the people, bringing you the conversation that I want to bring you, right? So, our in Stockholm at patreon.com, patreon.com forward slash our man in Stockholm. There is Swish too. And of course, just before doing this part, of the Podcast I didn't bother finding the Swish number because that's just not what you do. That would be being prepared, you know and today we're doing a little bit of freestyle but uh, i got to have a look here, and I'll bring you up the swish number, which is one two three two four two four one six six. Always welcome if you want to contribute via swish, uh, one two three two four two four one six six, and many people have, and I'm very, very grateful for that. And if you want to advertise, Irish in Sweden podcast at gmail.com, Irish in Sweden podcast at gmail.com. And there's also a lot of you out there around the country in Orobro and up in Lulio and Yavlo who are working for uh, for big companies. And, you know, in various lads, you are doing very well out of it. Congratulations. We'll be talking to as many of you as possible. But if you can throw a few bob into the podcast, I'll happily mention you and know, the great work you're doing and the work that you're doing in the community. And what is a small sum of money to you will make a big, big difference to me in terms of keeping this going. And uh, well, that was actually that turned into a lovely little link to our next interview because uh we've had a little bit of a conversation over the last while about spreading this outside of um outside of stockholm so um The last conversation that we had was about an event in Eskilstuna, but now we're going to go north and we're going to talk to Rory Moore up in Urquhalsveek. Now, this is one of those things where you have these conversations about interviews and you ask one person, they go, yeah, no, maybe. And then, you know, they suggest another person. And Rory is one of these people I've been wanting to talk to for a while as usual. Uh, And the conversation that we were supposed to have, we didn't even cover The single issue and I said, you know what, we could talk about this. I'm not going to tell you what it is because we 'cause we've got to do it at a later date, you know. So we could talk about this. And then we never even mentioned it over the course of the conversation. But what we did talk about was how Rory came here, what he's doing, what the Irish community is like in Irnkosvík. Not as big as one might imagine, but they're still up there. And what he's doing with the Swedish-Irish Chamber of Commerce. Now the Chamber of Commerce is an organisation and has existed for a few years now and is really coming into its own over the last few years again I let him tell you the whole story but it's fascinating to hear and if you're young and listen to this right if you're over here on an internship if you're doing a PhD if you're over here on Erasmus listen to this bloke right because an awful lot of you are going to want to stay in Sweden an awful lot of you are going to think Jesus I really enjoyed that I really enjoyed the standard of living I really enjoyed being able to get a time at the dentist and not getting nailed to the wall for it not that they're cheap here but um, you know I really enjoyed being here and I want to find a job here. So listen to Rory because Rory's the kind of man, and the the chamber is the kind of they're the kind of people who can put you in touch with something that will bring you a very good future. So look at that's enough out of me for the time being. Here's Rory And a lovely conversation we had from his basement or from his little uh, studio slash office room there in Enniskillen. Enjoy. <laughs> the obvious place to start with rory moore is how on earth did you wind up in of all places neil costigan i think says that your motorbike broke down up there is
2: that true (laughs) (laughs) not quite no no not quite uh no i'm married to swede uh we we, we met and lived in ireland uh for quite a few years and then quite by accident we ended up moving to back in 2008 um and it's a it, it bit of a long-winded story, so I'll give you the, 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 the short version. Uh, we'd always said that we would consider moving to Sweden at some point, because uh, we always felt it's a nice place to raise, raise the kids and all that. Uh, but I had I, I said, you know, I'll never make the move until I have a job first. Then, then I'd be quite happy to, to make that move uh and literally about six months after that discussion we we're, were over here in earners where where my wife Anna is from uh for for easter holiday and long story short i, I ended up in a discussion with um with, with the with the guy a friend of Anna's parents uh talking about what to do back in ireland so on and so forth next morning anyway i hopped on the plane flew back home landed in dublin airport switched on the phone and i got a text message from that same guy uh saying are you interested in doing an interview I was like, Jesus, yeah, of course I am. So, uh, you know, texted back before blah blah blah, and he goes, right, we need you back here uh, Tuesday morning. So I landed on a Friday morning. <laughs> so I had to make my excuses uh, in 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 Limerick and work in the office, and uh, hop back on a plane, came over here, spent the full day with him, uh, and literally the next day, then he offered me a job. Uh, so we said you know the stars aligned if ever here you know if ever it was a good opportunity to move over this would be it because we get to move to my wife's hometown where we have the family network and have everything set up and all the rest so yeah it was a very easy choice to make
0: Was that not really weird though Rory because like you know yourself from living here for so long how long yeah. it takes for fucking anything to get done around here like I've never heard of somebody getting a job that they wanted that <laughs> fast
2: in this country As I said the stars aligned um as Liam Neeson was said, I have a very specific set of skills.
0: <laughs> actually,
2: you may as well go into that. What is it you do up there? Uh, well, ironically enough, I, I even though I still live here, I don't work here. I haven't worked here for quite a few years. I actually work in, in Stockholm and uh, Helsinki. But um, what I did at that time was uh, within the old digitalization space for industrial companies. So they're looking for somebody who had a strong engineering uh, and kind of machinery background to help them with uh, an aftermarket project for, for a big factory uh, in producing industrial equipment up here and to roll it out globally. So it, it, as I said, it was pure, pure luck. Uh, ultimately, you'll find in small towns like Gernshusvik, um, there's, there's, kind of, there's a big variance in the talent pool for some of these companies to pick from. Mm. Uh, and they're, they're quite happy to get outside uh, skill sets when they, when they can get them. So, yeah. Uh, plus plus as we said my salary expectations weren't very high considering it was my first job in, in Sweden <laughs> yeah yeah so. but that probably helped as well but it, it it was certainly a huge benefit to me and 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 to my wife Anna that you know that I'd be able to get a job from day one and start to settle in uh, you know within the very first week yeah. that's a big big difference so I, I took a very non-traditional kind of uh, I would say migration uh, story along with me yeah. Indeed,
0: I simply wouldn't apologise for it either, because you know a lot of lads come over and they get a job in a pub and they have to sort of work their way up. So you yeah. know, so if you get if you manage to get on the elevator straight away, you're doing very yeah. well indeed. How long did you end up staying there before you sort of struck out on your own, so to speak?
2: Uh, I you know I, the the small company I worked for uh here in Ernstswiek was bought out by a, a large German company called Bosch or Bosch Rexroth. Uh, literally within a couple of years of me me landing in the job, and they liked the cut of my jib, and they uh, wanted me to move over to to HQ over in Germany. Uh, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to open relocate really the family yet again. So uh, what I did was I, I I'd live here uh, in this week at the weekends and work just out of Frankfurt uh, midweek. Did that for quite a few years, uh, and did a lot of international travelling on top of that. And uh, you know I kind of built up a good kind of cv good good amount of experience and i was in a a, a domain with the high demand uh, for, for those skills and i was headhunted then by a consulting company and i haven't looked back since so that was 2016. uh so i'm very happy with what i'm doing right now Work for a really really good employer a company called teatro every uh and yeah I I get to live in this beautiful little small town and uh, I can travel to Stockholm and Helsinki and Oslo and wherever else uh, as needs be so I get the best of both worlds the rural lifestyle and the, the cosmopolitan lifestyle all in one
0: is, is it very easy to get around? Because uh, On basically, you know, about 80% of the people listening to this podcast are in Stockholm and they complain if they offer them an apartment, you know, that's more than 15 minutes from town on the Tunnel Bonnet, you know. So for you then, if you want to go to Helsinki or Stockholm or that kind of thing, and of course the lads listening, Lulio and Yavla, when they're trying to fly home to Ireland, for instance, they have to overnight here at one of the hotels near the airport. Mm-hmm. So when you were getting around the place, can you go directly from On to somewhere else? That-
2: no <laughs> is the, is the, is uh, the answer <laughs> but, but, but unfortunately, unfortunately the, the, the airport in closed down during the pandemic uh, but it has to be said we're only like an hour and ten minutes away from the airport in Umeå so mm-hmm. tip the, I'd, I'd fly from Umeå to Stockholm and Stockholm to wherever else I'm going so it, it is a little bit of a pain in the arse but it's not it's not all that bad really
0: uh, yeah.
2: too, you know, I, I might be travelling once every third week or second week something like that and it might be only for a few days at a time so it, it's not all that bad Really has
0: hard. that has that reduced considerably because yourself and Neil that we mentioned earlier on we'll have Neil on the podcast a later day when he finally you know books up a bit of courage there you know? <laughs> Look but at like, that. you you are two gents now who are sort of you know the, the, you, there'd be no shortage of frequent flyer miles between the two us the last 15 years yeah. or so So, but has that disappeared now due to the pandemic can you sit at home in your lovely house in week oh, and enjoy life there and not have to travel so much you, you,
2: you know what I, I, I was in Helsinki uh, last week for the first time I think in, in about two years um, and I it was like a switch just flipped at the start of the pandemic, where uh, you know I was probably traveling three weeks out of every four, and when I want to say traveling, I mean I'd be gone for two, three days at a time, max, you know, one, or two <laughs> nights a week, type of thing, uh, and it just, it just, it just flipped. It was from from going at a kind of relatively fast pace to nothing, uh, and I thought I'd go stir crazy because, as you said, I've been traveling pretty much uh, consistently for like for 12 or 13 years before that. Uh, I actually found myself really enjoying being at home uh really 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 enjoying it uh and now that things are beginning to kind of pick up pace and i'm in a lucky position whereby i can decide myself when and how i travel uh it's one of the perks of my job i guess so i I don't foresee a situation where i'll probably travel at the same level of intensity uh, as i was beforehand uh Mm. but i'm still I'm still kind of grateful for the fact I do get to travel. (laughs) Yeah, there is (laughs) that It's it's the best best of both worlds for me, you
0: know. Yeah, I think my wife is kind of happy now that I am still. I go back to some sporting events and that kind of thing and I'll disappear for a month at a time, you know, because otherwise I'd say she might be tempted to fire me out of the year, you know. What's the best thing about living in a small Swedish town like Irvik rather than, you know, everybody living in the big cities like Gothenburg, Malmö, Stockholm?
2: This is going to sound very, very clichéd, right? But uh, having been raised in the countryside have a strong affinity for it it is kind of it's 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 where i feel feel at peace and we live only about seven kilometers outside of the town center in elvik so we are pretty much in the countryside you know mm. it, it just it feels right for me and it feels right for, for my wife and for my kids as well we, we like we like being in the countryside and even though evic is not the most cosmopolitan of places it, it, it has a little bit of everything you like in a way um, so, the best thing for us definitely is, you know, you know it, it's very conducive to the type of family lifestyle that we enjoy. We like being outside, we like going out to the summer studio, we like going out fishing, we like going out hiking and walking the dog. You know what I mean? That's what works for us. So, yeah, it's, it's different for everyone, I think.
0: Have you bumped into many other Irish people up there, Rory? <laughs>
2: Um There is only one other Irish person in this town that I'm aware of, and he is very similar to me, he, he lives here but he works in Norway Okay. Uh Yeah, so the, the, we're, 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 we're few and far between up here, that's for sure
0: I'll tell you, it wouldn't be much of a Patrick's Day parade now in fairness, would it?
2: No, not much at all <laughs> <laughs> The two of you wandered down to the local O'Leary's kind of thing, that be it, you know but, 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 Funnily enough, our, our local uh, branch of the Bishop's Arms uh, up here in Avic tried to put on, put on some form of a St. Patrick's Day par- party and they had British flags up. I was like, no, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm not going to do that one. Ah, lad! Ah, lads. <laughs> they, they genuinely couldn't tell the difference. They, they had no concept of what St. Patrick's Day actually is. So that's
0: yeah. That's inexcusable. That's an act of know, war. Yeah. I tell, you I, mean, you. <laughs> I tell you, we'll be doing a live podcast from outside of there next week now. It'll be mean, nuts all together. <laughs> <again. Like>, Christ <laughs> almighty. Well, look at it. I mean, we'll have to go and put them right, you know. is it? Do you miss that at all, though, Rory? Because I know you're around, you know, you're in Helsinki, you're in Stockholm. You, yeah. you meet Neil, who lives in an Ireland, 10 minutes away in Umeå, sometimes, when he's not in California, this kind of thing, you know. But do you miss that sort of sense of, because I know you have your own family and that kind of thing, but is there anything you miss about having a big Irish community around you?
2: Uh, you Yes, de- definitely, of course, I, I, you know th- th- there's something very unique and special about uh, being part of a, a an Irish uh, expat or, or migrant community, of, of course. Uh, funnily enough, I, I really didn't tap into that or leverage that the way I probably should have about the first, God, 10 years or so that I was here. Mm. I, I really only started to appreciate the value of, of the Irish community uh, w- w- when I co- co-founded the, the Irish Chamber of Commerce over here with, with some of my uh, good friends and colleagues. And that's where I really started to see, well, you know, this is really, really cool. And, and I, I, this is above and beyond uh, the quote-unquote paddy club type of mentality, by the way. It's the pure kind of professional leveraging of these relationships and the networking and the mutual support and, and, and all the rest and the mentorship. Let, let me and, pause
0: you there. Tell me how that came about because the Swedish Chamber of Commerce, you're the first person basically, and you're on the board of that organization. And we've been planning to bring them in, you know, Kim and Declan and everybody who's on there. So how did the whole thing start? You know, what was the genesis of the idea of the Chamber of Commerce
2: here? You're just one slight question. I, I wasn't the first person. There's about uh, seven or eight of us, I think, uh, uh, who, who kind of co-formed co- it together uh, back in No, what I
0: meant was yeah. you are the first person to come on the podcast and do it. Not that oh, okay. <laughs> <with you. laughs>
2: it was the genesis of that. Um, the, there's a couple of drivers behind that, but probably the most significant driver uh, is, is a guy called John Roach, and he, he was the, the, the Nordic director for Enterprise Ireland for, for quite a few years. Lovely fella. He's over in Italy now, I think. Uh, but but he and I think Charles Jemison and a few others had um, just ha- had this idea mulling about for quite a few years, and they, they, I think they, they discussed various different iterations. Should it be a club? Should it be a chamber? Should it be this? Should it be that? And ultimately, we just decided, you know what? Let's just do it. Let, let's just let's just put our heads together and figure out how do we do this and, and go on this journey together. Uh, and it's been a fantastic journey, fantastic journey. We're actually uh, just past our fourth year this year. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What kind of things have happened in those four years from from your humble origin, so to speak?
2: <laughs> a, a hell of a lot. Um, <clears throat> it's been a very non-linear journey actually from, from the start because uh, the, the, probably for the first two years, we were quite wrapped up in very exi- existential questions like, you know, what should we be doing? What should be our mission and what should be our purpose type of thing? But, but ultimately, we, we found that there was a very natural pull from the irish community uh both the kind of professionals living over here but also kind of uh, irish companies trying to set up over here uh, so t- i think to a large degree they actually gave us a lot of guidance about their expectations from what this chamber should should be and how it should be supporting them so in terms of the change that's happened yeah it, 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 it changed be a very kind of internal kind of uh, uh, semi-philosophical <laughs> debate into something now that is highly proactive in the community, really, really highly proactive in the community. And mm-hmm. I think that ultimately culminated back in late November, start to started December when we threw uh, our first ever gala, which was phenomenal uh, that we threw in a uh, Mönchengbegadie. It, 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 it really went far above, far and far beyond our expectations for what we initially planned. And uh, it's something that we'll be repeating year after year after year for sure. So I think, you know, we were kind of entering into a new phase now, that's for sure. We've had a changing of the guard in terms of the addition of some new board members this year. We've changed up the the, the 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 president's seat and the secretary's seat and the treasurer's seat and all that. So we're getting some fresh thinking in, some new people in. And I think our next drive uh, throughout the course of this year, amongst many things, will be focusing on the professional Irish youth that are situated here in Sweden, because there's a lot of people here who are relatively you know, recently landed, they might have a job, they might not have a job, they might look for some career advice, and that's what we're trying to latch on to now.
0: And it's, it's brilliant to see that somebody's putting those people in focus, because... I, I'm always it's almost depressing sometimes when I think about Kev O'Neill, who was over here working for Jemison for Perno Ricard for a year on an internship and then he went back and Jesus, I always think, you know, if we could have got that young fellow job, not because he's a brilliant marketer, because he is a brilliant marketer, but he's also a brilliant musician. He's a brilliant footballer, he was a, a brilliant fella to get the soccer going in the Stockholm Games and that kind of thing. And I'd yeah. love to have a situation where I just don't know enough people to get a lad like that a job. But I'm sure that somebody in the Swedish Irish Chamber of Commerce can do that. So, you know, that focus is fantastic. Can I go back Back to what you were saying about the gala in November, could yeah. you just tell me a little bit about it? I think Harry Bourne has run the Münchener brigadier now. How many people did you have there? What kind of things did you do? Were there awards? Was it black tie? That kind of thing. We
2: <laughs> we we were debating whether or not it should be black tie. We decided no. Let's keep it at least semi formal in a way. So it's kind of a you know the old suit and tie type of thing.
0: So, so Harry Bourne himself wasn't allowed in, basically. No, no. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no Harry didn't attend. Unfortunately, uh, you know. He, 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 we, we had expected maybe, yo, know, good would be if we had 50 people there. Mm. Uh, we ended up having applications from about 120, 125 people, which is fantastic. This blew us, blew our minds, basically. Mm. Uh, you might remember at that time, then suddenly the, the Omicron variant of the, the coronavirus uh, broke out. So unfortunately, we had about, I don't know, what was it, but 30, 30 people had to cancel literally at the last minute, literally yeah. the day before because they couldn't travel from Ireland because of restrictions and all that, blah, blah, blah and so yeah we had about i don't know 85 90 people there Uh, and it was just a proper knees up Uh, Declan caulfield did an amazing job with the preparation of of our first ever beacon award like a professional business award uh, within the irish community over here Uh, really he blew it out of the water all all credit to him Uh, and we fantastic representation from from the embassy and from enterprise ireland and as well as uh, a lot of the irish community over here it it really was really was fantastic We, we were we were chuffed absolutely chuffed with it
0: and the idea then is you know for, um, hopefully touch woods there'll be no more variants this thing yeah. could be sort of bigger and better in 2022 am i right
2: you just jinxed it Neville
0: phil of course, I, I, you know, that's the, I just
2: ruined everything like, you know that's unbelievable no I, but actually i think
0: i was one of those people who got COVID at the time. <laughs> no
2: no yeah yeah we're definitely looking to scale it up this year and uh, on, on top of that then the other big achievement for us over the last few months has been the launch of the northern light uh, network so we have a new sister chamber that has been set up in Norway, uh, a uh, Norwegian Chamber of Commerce. We have uh, an Irish business club set up in Finland, which is very similar to a Chamber of Commerce. And that's around for, God, 30 years, I think, already. Mm-hmm. Plus then we have a sister chamber over in uh, Latvia, a Irish Latvian Chamber of Commerce. So uh, the four of us now have, have come together and we're trying to look to, to get some, you know, ex- expand the professional network because I mean, Ultimately, many Irish people and companies see the Nordics not as being, you know, separate markets, but as being one kind of larger market. Uh, and it's a, it's a great way then to kind of get people connected to each other from similar industries, similar backgrounds, share knowledge, do a bit of mentorship and, and all the rest. So uh, that's another part of the scaling effort that we're do, do, doing this year for sure. So,
0: but down to so, brass tacks, Roy, right? Make your pitch yep. now. You have everybody, all the Irish people that's and <laughs> listening to you now. Why should they join you know, who should join and why should they join the Swedish Irish Chamber of Commerce?
2: There's one very simple value proposition, um, and, and that is if you're newly arrived into Sweden and you are looking, f- uh, you know, how to build a career over here, there's a lot of tacit and intacit knowledge that us old folks who've been living over here for donkey's years have. Uh, And on top of that, we have a very vast, a very broad uh, network, personal network of people. And ultimately, especially if you don't speak the Swedish language, one of the best ways to move on and take the next steps in your career is via your personal network. That is just largely how things are done over here in Sweden. Um, And it's not nepotism or nothing like that. It's just that personal introduction, that personal reference makes a world of a difference, a world of a difference. And right now, the market uh, employment market is quite hot in Sweden, uh, especially around the Stockholm area, especially in certain industries, whether it be construction or, 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 or uh, IT, for example. But again, that personal introduction, having that personal network, makes a big, big difference. So that, in combination with just the the the, the, the overall uh, contact with people who have been over for, over here, living over here for years, even when it comes to you know, how do I get a mortgage? How do I apply for X, Y, Z with this government agency, whatever. All that information is, is stuff that we can help with for sure. And, yeah. and not to forget the social aspect as well. There is a social element.
0: Yeah, because there are sort of regular lunches and breakfasts and that kind of thing that are organized, aren't yes. they? Do That's, you attend those things or do, are you there in a sort of a, an online presence or do you show up in <laughs> Stockholm and are we, going on?
2: We, we, we do mix it both. So naturally during the pandemic uh, uh, situation of the last couple of years, we've moved almost entirely over to the virtual space with, with the exception of the gala. So I think this year we're going to find an equal split between the virtual and, and the physical events. But uh, ultimately, at least once per month, there's going to be something by way of a of a, a lunch or a breakfast meetup, or you know, some kind of virtual event. Uh, and on top of that, then every month we have a, an after uh, after work meetup. I think it's the third third Thursday of every month. And we also have an informal, what we call Freya Week, virtual Freeders Week every Friday morning at 8.30. So <clears throat> just reach out to us uh, and uh, we can put you in, in, in contact with a list of all activities that we have planned for the year. So a that lot all of- sounds
0: great. Apart from Friday mornings at 8.30, I'm not the nicest person. <laughs> that until, no. hey, is there a big corporate involvement there, Rory? Because I'm thinking that there's an awful lot of people who look at that and go, Chamber of Commerce, I can make money out of that. Do you get people turning up going, point me to new customers, please, with loose pockets and big checkbooks? Uh, no, actually. Apart from Costigan. <laughs> apart, apart from Costigan. <laughs> 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 now, Neil, just just so you know, Neil, you have to come on to the podcast and defend yourself, but we'll continue. <laughs>
2: <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, Neil's company, Behaviour Psych, were, I think, the first corporate sponsor that we've had, and they'll be with us now on this journey for the last four years, so all, all credit to Neil and Behaviour Psych. Um, ready, no, ready. no, in actual fact, I think a lot of the corporates, uh, when they land in with us, it's not so much that they're looking for customers. They know their business better than, than than we do. They have no problem getting the customer base. But it could be anything around uh, you know, how to build up the supply chain or can we put them in contact with somebody in a similar industry. So again, the knowledge gathering, the market knowledge uh, mm-hmm. is very, very useful for them.
0: What do you find is different about doing business? Because you're a man has done business internationally for many years, obviously with the background in Ireland. What's unique or different about doing business here? So, I mean, if somebody from Lionside, you know, Wes from Lionside, is listening to this for the first time, what should he know, or what do you wish he would have known when he made his move into this market?
2: Do you know what <clears throat> the very first event uh, that we we arranged ourselves back in 2018? I think it was was exactly on this topic and we 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 we, we had four or five irish speakers talking about what their swedish journey has been like in in terms of setting up a business over here or or, or moving a business over here what have you and ultimately to, to make a very kind of general sweeping statement there is a big difference in business culture between ireland and sweden and, and quite often it's the small things that make all the difference mm. so if, for example turning up late even one minute late to a meeting over here in sweden is, is kind of a, a big no-no you know what i mean uh swedish people they like directness they don't like bullshit they, mm. they spell bullshit a mile off so they much prefer that if, you, if you're making a pitch to them get to the point keep it yeah. short Get and you really, really get to the point and get to the point very, very fast, and th- then they're happy to engage you. I think the, another big difference is again I mentioned it before that personal introduction. So they like that personal reference. They like to know, you know who is this guy, who is this guy, phil You know, do, do I know somebody who knows him? Type of thing. That also mm-hmm. makes a big difference. So it, it ultimately, ultimately, it's a culmination of a lot of small things. Um, and so far, from what we've seen from our corporates, they're doing really well over here. Once they kind of get their mindset into how Swedish people think, and again, it's a sweeping statement, but once they kind of get a feeling for the business culture over here, they do very, very well. They really do very, very well.
0: I usually describe the Swedes already as speaking better English than what I do, right? But yeah. still, they're obviously more comfortable in their own language. Is the language thing a barrier or are they, you know, capable and willing? Because, you know, I'm thinking if like, the choice came to, came down to between an Irish company and a Swedish company, is the language going to be an issue there or are they just happy enough to to keep going sort of speaking English to people? And a, a second question, you know, that we can tack on to the end of that is, you know, should people learn Swedish if they're going to be here and engaging in business? Is that a good idea for them to invest time?
2: It's a very good question. Um, y- yes and no, right? And I, I'll explain why, why I answer that way. Uh, having a Swedish language is important if you want to get employment over here, right? And it doesn't mean that it's going to be a blocker, that nobody's going to employ if you don't speak Swedish, but it'll very much help you in the progression of your career over here. And I think, I, I in a way, I, maybe I'm a bad example of that. I, I do speak Swedish, right? Right. Uh, ironically, I have very rarely have had to use Swedish in my business career <laughs> over here. But it's the simple fact that I can, that I can sit down at the, the, at the, at the FICA table with colleagues or even with clients and, and speak Swedish there. But a lot of business over here is actually done in English. So if you're looking to build a customer base or to be part of a Swedish uh, company, supply chain, whatever, then the language doesn't really matter. The Swedes are very, very used to working with with, with English as an international language. So they're not, they're not put off by that. Uh, I think if you're looking to set up your own business, it definitely helps to have a Swedish um, and, and, you know, and, and to you, kind of to develop relationships via the Swedish language that way. So, yeah, it is important. And I, I, I always say to newly landed people over here, make the effort. Your Swedish doesn't have to be perfect. The Swedes don't care. I think even if you have even basic rudimentary conversational Swedish over a cup of coffee, it makes a world of a difference, difference in terms of relationship building
0: did you find it difficult to learn because now I, I usually sort of point to that my wife is a language teacher right And she was absolutely yeah. useless to me when it came to learn the language because we had a relationship in english long before we had anything yeah, and she just didn't have the patience you know so was anna, any help to you or did you go to sfe or where did you head to
2: <laughs> local pub the bishop's <laughs> arms with <laughs> your <laughs> british <laughs> flag i'll ask that question in a second but as a, as, a, as, a, as a slight tangent here when i first met my wife anna she was recently uh she, she, she'd recently spent quite a bit of time about a year in australia just just aside sydney right mm-hmm. so she came she went from sydney back to sweden for a few months and then directly to to limerick on like on a one-year contract job there we go uh so when i first met her she actually quite a strong kind of like australian twang to her accent she, she speaks fluent fluent english she has no trace of a swedish accent and literally within a year of living in limerick she's talking like somebody from patrick's well <laughs> right now she's got red hair and freckles right she's mad, <laughs> and i'll never forget we, we, we bought a house out in a county near a place called Baddy adam and i was uh, working like 60 hours a week uh i, I was in college part time as well do, doing a master's degree that was another like four, 40 hours a week whatever it was so my neighbors never saw me but they used to see my wife and i walked around with our dog right mm. and the rumor got out that you know there's a couple after buying that house up the road there one of them is swedish and they all thought that I was a Swedish guy. Because they never heard me speak. And every time they spoke to Anna, she said pure like take county lyric accent on her. Fantastic, <all together. laughs> And the
0: big yeah. head of red hair and the, the freckles and all that. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: A Swedish colleen if ever there was
2: one, you know? Oh, stop. Yeah. But did yeah, she teach
0: you did she try to teach you any Swedish, or did you ever feel the need to learn <laughs> whilst you were in Ireland, or did you wait until you came over here?
2: I, I, I took I, I took a, a very non-conventional route, actually, because, I, you know, between signing that employment contract and actually physically move, moving over here, I three months, three months there, thereabouts, right? Three months to sell the house, three months to back everything up, and, and three months to get a head start in the Swedish language. I was very lucky in that I was... Good friends with the lady from Gothenburg who was studying in, in the University of Limerick uh, as, as a language therapist or something like that. Linguist, I mean. <laughs>
0: exactly. We don't need language teachers. <laughs> we need language therapists. Therapist, the right?
2: So I, I spoke to her. I said, Yo, what what can we do in three months that give me the best head start? She, she said to me, I'm not going to teach you how to speak Swedish. I'm going to teach you how to understand Swedish grammar and how to read, read uh, basic, basic Swedish. Cool. The, the speaking part you'll figure out when you land there. And that's what we did. We did a, geez, it was like, three two-hour sessions every week and they were really really intensive mm-hmm. and it helped me kind of break the back of the swedish grammar basically right and then when i landed over here i i i have to say i, I felt quite uh, overwhelmed with the whole language thing and i kind of put it to one side for a year or two um and it was only when my younger two kids because when we moved, moved over here Evan was what a year and a half and Heidi was only two weeks old when we moved but when my younger two kids started to speak a bit of English with me that's when I figured out you know what we need to think very carefully about this uh so we set up a simple rule at the household Anna would only ever speak Swedish with the kids I don't ever speak English with them but I would read them bedtime stories in Swedish okay and that was the best learning language learning I ever did was reading their simple kids bedtime stories in swedish and having to f- figure out what it actually means and then when they're having their friends from school over that i was forcing myself then to, to speak swedish with them because i didn't feel so kind of self-conscious if i spoke shitty swedish to a, a five-year-old for example right? yeah nobody cares what a five-year-old <laughs> exactly exactly and, and, to be honest, they don't care either right and it kind of it, for me it's more of a self-conscious thing because when i do something i like to do it right type of thing yeah. so between speaking to uh, reading kids, my bed, or their bedtime stories, and speaking to their friends in Swedish, and of course speaking to Anna's parents in, in broken Swedish, something just clicked after year three. Mm. So I didn't go to SFV, I didn't do any more form, formal learning after that, I just kind of winged it. But but after about year three, I felt comf- comfortable going out and socialising. Mm. And even though, again, my Swedish, sw- Swedish wasn't the best, but just sitting down and having a pint with a Swedish friend, and, and yeah. testing it out, testing it out, testing it out. Uh, and I found then once I built up the confidence from that, then I uh, started to make my own kind of independent Swedish friends outside of my wife's friends or outside of work situation, and that also really helped.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, if we turn our attention back to the Irish community and in particular yep. to the Chamber of Commerce, what's mm. the what's the goal here? As we say in, in the business world, where, where do people want to wind up with this? Uh, how does it? you know, gather a life of its own and live on. I always talk about the future of the Irish community here is with people whose names we don't yet know. You know, it's the generation is going to come after you and me. So how do you ensure that's going to happen with the Chamber?
2: That's a really good question, Phil. Uh, and I'd love to be able to give you a very concrete answer. I think from the Chamber's perspective, we're still on this journey, right? So yes, mm. we've passed year four, but, you know, we hope to be 40 more years ahead of, ahead of the Chamber, right? Uh, ultimately, for me... I think what good looks like is is that if we have younger people coming in after us on the board, yeah, it, this becomes kind of self-fulfilling uh, to, to a large degree. It, it, in terms of what I think the Irish community uh, expects from the Chamber and what they expect from building their own professional careers over here, I, I, I think that varies. But, but one trend I do see uh, in the Irish community over here is that Traditionally, we would have had quite a, a large migrant population of Irish people. When I say migrant, I mean they might come over here for one year, two years on a contract, or on a site or, or whatever else, and then they move on. But I see more and more, especially the young people, choosing to stay in Sweden. and Say, you know what? I like this place. I like yeah. I, I, I like the culture here. I, I like the way things work. Uh, you know, and I think I think we're going to find that the Irish community will genuinely uh, grow in size, meaning that the, the, the permanent population that's over here. And I think the Irish uh, kind of trade and and, and the, the industries uh, are are certainly now seeing the Nordic market as being the place to grow, especially since the whole uh, Brexit situation and all that. More and more Irish companies are looking towards Nordics to grow, uh, mm. and in fact, you know, fantastic organisations like Enterprise Ireland are, are really doing a fantastic, a really strong job of, of bringing them over, showing them the ropes. Say, look this market here is, is for you this is all growth for you to just go and do it so yeah we're, we're going to see a large irish population over here that's for sure but i th- also think that the irish population will start to change uh, in a positive way over time not if there's anything negative with it today but i mean meaning that they will put down permanent roots hmm. uh, and i see that as being a good thing uh, and i think uh, just another comment uh, worth noting is that i think you know, right now a lot of the supporting structures for the Irish population over here are very Stockholm-centric, and it's just it, it is what it is. That's where the largest uh, population is. But we're seeing some uh, questions and, and interest popping up about, you know, well, what about Lulio, What about uh, Umeå? What about, uh, you know, Gothenburg? What about Malmö? So I, I think we're going to see over the course of the next few years a uh, kind of uh, pick up in these type of uh, uh, organisations like the chamber or whatever else, or clubs would have you kind of uh, pick up some steam there as well. So yeah, it's a very bright future.
0: I was actually involved in a conversation last night with the Swedish Irish Society and the Stockholm Gales, and that, and we were talking about, especially with the Swedish Irish Society, about having mm-hmm. community representatives from every community, yeah. and even if it's only you and your friend and the bishop's arms waving your union jacks, right? Did you have a representative <laughs> sorry, I shouldn't be blaming all of you, but did you have a representative who's in touch with the Swedish Irish society here because it can't be the Stockholm Irish society, right? And to be honest, it's driving me mad, Rory, because like, you know every second week there's just like two people from Stockholm on the podcast. I'm so trying to break out of that that I'm going to go to Luleå, go to Malmo soon, and you know, mm-hmm. the devil may care what it costs because, you know, we have to do that, you know? But just very finally, Rory, and thanks so much for taking the time here this evening. I know it's freezing cold and you've nowhere else to be, but... Uh, <laughs> how do people get in touch? How do people get involved in the Swedish-Irish Chamber
2: of Commerce? Very simple. irishchamber.se That's it. That, that's it. That's it. Uh, we also have, uh, if you're on LinkedIn, you'll find us on LinkedIn. Uh, you 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 will probably see uh, the occasional social media post about you know, uh, the after work or, or breakfast meeting or whatever else. So just reach out to us. Reach out to us. So Absolutely. That's Brilliant.
0: There's a whole other conversation that we have to have about motorbikes. You, me, and Neil at a later date. But Roy, more <laughs> for now, for sure. Th- thanks very much for talking to me. No
2: worries. Thanks, Phil. Take care. Thanks for having me on.
0: That can force by pucken. Anutmanarhors comes a
2: little bit from the right, and as he has a
0: drag in, so shoots him. Oh, 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 Han lägger pucken på ena sidan om uh, Corey Hirsch. Han kastar sig efter, lägger tillbaka
2: in i bana och gör en kämta Nilsson mål. Nu blir glädje i Svenska match.
0: Here go. That is Arnold Zweiks uh, most famous son, Peter Forsberg at the Olympics in 1994 scoring uh, one of Sweden's most famous goals in any sport. Uh, in ice hockey and it was just uh, if you look at the YouTube clip just you know penalty goal 1994 force by, and you'll see it and it was just uh, it was so cheeky the whole thing fantastic ice hockey player from Erkholzvik, uh from which Rory Moore was talking to us there about the Swedish-Irish Chamber of Commerce Jesus lads I'm looking at the clock here and it's up at uh, one hour and six minutes and there's actually another interview that I have here but I'm going to have to bring it to you next week because you'll be all going uh, look at your man's talking far too much so uh, we'll leave it at that for this week uh, oh, but there's just one thing that we have left to point out by the time you hear this Mr. Zach El-Buzedi, uh the River Valley Ronaldo as I have christened him will have played his first game in this season's Al he's going to be away in Gothenburg on Saturday so by the time you hear this on Monday morning we'll know how the first game of the season has, has gone for him so um, we'd like to offer him our support from the Irish and Sweden podcast and tell him that we're going to be looking out from even though Gary Lavelle supports you Gordon and even though Paul down in Gothenburg is a big heckin' fan so um, I know there's a lot of people out there who are interested in football but of course we'd all love to see Zach do really well whilst he's over here in Sweden we'd love to see him in Stephen Kenny's Irish team and uh, if he keeps performing I'm sure it won't be too long before we do see him in the Irish team so um, let's keep cheering for Zach let's keep an eye out for him uh, follow him on social media there Zach Elbuzedi. just Google him on, uh, and you'll find his Twitter and his Instagram give him a bit of an encouragement there and uh, yeah sure. I suppose we'd better leave it at that for this week next week there'll be a little bit more football um, because Sweden are playing against Ireland In a Women's World Cup qualifier And we have a very very special guest uh, To talk up that game with us And there's a little bit more about learning the Swedish language Because there's a good bit of chat to be had about that But sure, in the meantime If you have you want to talk about If you have anybody you want me to lift Any events that are going on Do you want the Swedish-Irish calendar Get on to me You'll find me on the Facebook page You'll find me on Instagram You'll find me on Twitter You'll find me in Viersum's pub Viersum's pub The finest sponsors of this wonderful podcast um, Look after yourselves Look after one another um, Uh, enjoy the spring and sure I'll talk to you again very soon Mm -hmm.